everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number 85 of the Mandolins of Beer podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, the Mandolin Cafe. Hope everybody's having a fantastic week. This week, first Friday of the month, means Bandcamp Friday, guys. Support your favorite mandolin player. I've got a link right at mandolinsandbeer.com of all the artists who have appeared on this podcast and all the products that they have on Bandcamp. The only items that are not on the list but are on Bandcamp are Tristan Scroggins' books, which are incredible. And for some reason, Bandcamp will not let me um, add the books to my wish list. I'm not sure why that is. But I highly recommend it. And again, Bandcamp waives all their fees one day a month, and the artist gets all the income. That's a pretty great deal. So awesome job on Bandcamp. So check that stuff out. We're getting close. I believe on April 1st, Joe K. Walsh's uh, Peghead Nation course comes out for Octave Mandolin. That's going to be incredible. Everything on Peghead Nation is incredible. They've got uh, Sharon Gilchrist, Joe, Mike Compton, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Feibish, and Chad Manning. Courses ranging from beginning mandolin to theory for mandolin and everything else in between. They got killer high quality videos, multi angles, the downloadable notation and tab, play along tracks, and tons of tunes to play. And here's the thing. If you never use Peghead Nation, you get your first month for free. Just go to PegheadNation.com and use the promo code MANDOLINBEER, all one word, at checkout. Also, Northfield Mandolins. Um, I, we for, did not get to this in the interview with Jake. Jake just got a Northfield octave. He loves it. Um, I texted with him yesterday. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, we didn't talk about the Northfield. I saw those pictures, and he loves it. And I, I can vouch. I've played that octave mandolin at Carter every single time I've been there. Um, so if you haven't had a chance to check one of those out, definitely look at them. They're beautiful, and they sound amazing. So Northfield Mandolins, let's build more than a mandolin together and check out their website at northfieldmandolins.com or they even have an app and you can download that at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings demonstrations and special workshops Uh, we also have ear trumpet labs they hand build beautiful microphones in portland oregon their mics are beautifully designed they have feedback rejection for live use and the most natural tone you'll find for acoustic instruments check them out at eartrumpetlabs.com today Uh, i use mine all the time i couldn't love it more it's incredible and then pava mandolins dedicated to building for the impassioned player built in austin texas and of course the newest one apollo picks nick at apollo picks man this guy is doing some quality work and 40 day money back guarantee and free shipping there's no reason not to try them so go ahead and order yourself an Apollo pick today and support the podcast by doing so. All right, Jake Howard. Man, Jake's a great player. Uh, I'm going to post a link to the video he talks about. He did a great, great tone tasting comparison um, between a Nugget, a Gilchrist, and a Hogan. Uh, and it's really, really cool, man. And he, he does a great job of doing all different examples on each one. So I'll post that as we talk about it on this uh, podcast. Also, at the very end... Uh, Jake turns me on to a brand new fiddle tune uh, by a guy, Grant Flick. And uh, Grant, I had Jake reach out to Grant. And so at the very end of this podcast, you'll be able to hear the entire tune. So be sure to stick around to the very end. Cheers, everybody. Have yourselves a fantastic week. It's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Jake Howard. Jake, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm really, really excited to be on this. Oh, man, I'm really excited for you to be on it. Thank you so much for doing it. You have uh, been watching your playing. We talked a little bit about this before, but I've been been a fan of your playing for a bit. And I remember it's been a few years now. You started posting these like really incredible transcriptions on like the Mandolin Cafe forum. And they yeah. were like not easy tunes. Like I think you did, <laughs> like I think you did the brilliancy with the high, the uh, Thiele harmony part. Yeah, you know what's funny about those transcriptions is I started, I started doing a couple before I went to. Uh, I guess it was maybe my first year in music school, and I I was really unsure on how to write out music. Uh, and we'll we'll get to this kind of when we kind of talk about Berkeley and all that fun stuff and my journey there, but. Um, I didn't know how to read music until I got to college and I tried to 
you know, postseason transcriptions because I thought people would really love them. And I think my first one might have been like Jessamine's Reel by Feely. Oh, right, right. <laughs> and it's a bit of a mess when I go back and look at it. <laughs> All the notes are there, but it's just a mess. Uh, but yeah, I just, you know, I make these transcriptions for myself just to kind of study these artists. And I realize that there are a lot of people out there that would either benefit from it or just love to see it. And they're so good. And again, like they're tough tunes. And I don't know if people really respect the fact of like, like I transcribe a ton. I'm surrounded by books of, you know, my crazy handwriting. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> like Unabomber style note taking. And, um, you know, but like to put that to um, a computer program, it's not an easy process. It's very time consuming. Yeah, it takes way more time than it should. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Which is why probably we have so many handwritten things kind of shown about the room when we're when we're trying to transcribe. It's really great. It's a rewarding experience, though, when especially when you when you figure it out, like because it's it's almost like cracking a code, and when you suddenly figure out, like, oh, it's because this is a sixteenth note just here and not an eighth note. That's why it's. And when you hear it play back, and it's just like what you hear from the recording you're transcribing. It's like, all right, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a language. And you know what? The, the YouTube slowdowner uh, feature that YouTube has had for a long time has been just a complete lifesaver for me transcribing. Um, I know there's other programs out there that, that do that similar thing, but that was the first time because I, I spent hours and hours on YouTube when I first started learning because I didn't have any teacher. I didn't know how to reach out to anybody. And it was that was my tool for learning. That was my teacher was online YouTube videos of, you know, all these great mandolin players and there was so much content out there. How did you start? Where did you grow up? Yeah. So I grew up in Akron, Ohio. Um, and I didn't grow up playing music. Uh, I no played kidding. a little bit of guitar. Yeah. I played a little bit of guitar. Uh, I think sixth grade, I got my first guitar and that was kind of like, I played G C and D and then a lot of Dave Matthews songs. <laughs> <laughs> I need a lot of Dave Matthews songs. Dude, Dave Matthews songs are complicated. They, they're tough. And it's, I didn't sound great on them, but I, I just, I loved, for some reason, loved Dave Matthews. I still do. I still listen to it on uh, from time to time. But uh, yeah, so I think it was around, I was a big basketball player. So that was kind of my thing growing up. Uh, and I was in high school. I think it was maybe my sophomore year of high school or junior year. It was one of those two. Uh, I stopped playing basketball because, I, you know, I was, I was on traveling teams and doing all this AAU stuff, which for people who don't know, is kind of this spring basketball season outside of the normal high school season uh, where you can play more. But uh, my ankles just, uh, I'm notorious for having really uh, weak ankles. So they just, it didn't last up too well. And uh, I, I was kind of searching for something else to do. And my uncle at the time, uh, he, start, he started playing banjo. And he was probably six months into his, his journey as being a banjo player. And he wanted to start a bluegrass band. And, uh, he's been musical all his life and I kind of knew him for that. And, uh, he asked me one of these, one of these days, uh, I think it was in the fall and he asked me, Hey, do you want to, do you want to join a bluegrass band? And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, what's bluegrass? I didn't know what bluegrass was. I had no clue. Sure. And I'm like, I mean, sure. I, I love music. I just don't know how to play it. And he's like, ah, oh, well you're, you're fine. You'll figure it out. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, uh, the, the story of me getting my first mandolin is truly a trip. Uh, so I asked my dad or my uncle and I kind of approached my dad being like, Hey, I want to join this, this bluegrass band with my uncle. And, uh, and my dad's like, Oh, cool. Like, what would you play? And I'm like, mandolin. And I kind of, you know, <laughs> I, I thought that the, I think that was the name of it. I couldn't quite remember, but, uh, so I said that, told my dad that, and then he, uh, he went to ask my mom if we could go to the music store to get one. And, at the time, my mom just got out of surgery for something. I can't remember what it was, but you know, she's kind of she's kind of a little loopy from the surgery. <laughs> and my dad asked, and and she's like, "Yeah, sure, go ahead." And it's like <laughs> she wasn't she didn't know the ramifications of what she was saying. Um, and so we, as soon as that that was said, that same day we went out to the music store and uh, we got my first mandolin. And you know, the first few months I was on and off with it. I practiced, I'd practice for like a week straight and then, you know, take a month off and then come back to it. And I think I, I think the first song I learned was Bill Cheatham and it took me 
quite a few quite a few months just to get that one song and the down up picking and everything and That's one of the trickier ones to uh, to pick up for your first song. Yeah, I don't I don't know why why I did that, but <laughs> um, I I started playing and all of a sudden just something clicked where it all made sense uh, or made more sense than uh, beginning mandolin and, and just I fell in love. I really did. Uh, I think there's a Jim Van Cleve record. Uh, let's see if I can find out the name of it for you. Uh, no apologies, I think is the name. Adam Steffi's on it. Uh, oh God! And I fell as soon as I heard that the tone that he had and just the timing. I immediately fell in love with his playing and started learning just about anything I could from him. That's a great first start. <laughs> oh, it was it was so good. It was so informative to you know. Where did you find um, the, the the music to learn when you first bought the mandolin? Did you did you buy a CD? Did you buy a book? Yeah, the first CD that I listened to that was bluegrass was this compilation CD. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was it wasn't even like uh, a specific CD. I can't even remember the name of it. It was just some random compilation CD with you know Earl Scruggs and all these other Bill and Rose on it. And I think a couple Tony Rice songs. So it, it ranged from like these really traditional bluegrass songs to these kind of modern bluegrass songs. Uh, I think Birdland was on that. Oh, uh, cool. And I fe- oh, fell in love with that tune. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was, it was that CD and, and this Jim Van Cleet one. For some reason, I don't know why I picked that one uh, or why, why it came up, but that was one of my first CDs. And I, I, I've listened to that CD over 50 times easily oh, front wow. to back. Uh, yeah. Um, and then from there, I think I discovered Thiele and that was, <laughs> you know, another, another step up from what I was, what I was trying to do. And I definitely took off more than I, I bit off more than I could chew for the first year there. But I think that's what kind of helped springboard, you know, my next step. Did you find Thiele via Nickel Creek or Thiele via solo first? <laughs> Great question. Uh, <laughs> I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Nickel Creek. Okay, cool. Uh, Yeah, I think it was this side. dive into you dive into nickel creek where you just like was it the same sort of feeling that you had when you heard steffi was it like oh my gosh yeah it was it was definitely different because you know you, you're trying to when you hear all these new players you're trying to categorize them and try to fit them into the way you think about mandolin players and and hearing Thiele and steffi like back to back it was just like two different worlds and it was like whoa the mandolin can do a lot of different things and then, of course, like later on down the road, you learn about Andy Statman and David Grisman and all these other really high-end players who get completely different tones and completely different solos and ideas out of the mandolin.
And so how, how old are you now at this point where you're really, where you're really digging into it and finding all these players? Let's see. I think probably around 16 or 17 is when I hit it really hard and just started, you know, YouTube searching and watching. I've watched probably every YouTube vandal and video out there. <laughs> I, I swear. <laughs> as pitiful as that sounds, I've, I've sat in my living room and watched probably all of them. Oh, I, I can believe it because when you said you didn't start playing until, I mean, when you're saying at 16 and 17, you just really started diving into it. I mean, you play like a guy. I would have expected you to be like, I started playing when I was three and, uh, you know, just took it from there. But to play at the level you play at already and starting pretty, I mean, relatively late compared to when some people start. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it's early for some people, late for some others. You know, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Well, to play like you play, I feel like it's very early. They <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> are very late because how old are you now? I am 27 right now. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I mean, you, yeah, you play like somebody who's been playing for uh, 27 years. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Absolutely. There's, there's, a, there's, some, there's a sneaky amount of hours in those first two years. Because uh, high school was a, was a bit of a blur. Uh, there was definitely some, some uh, times when I dream about playing mandolin more than doing schoolwork, which is, <laughs> sorry, sorry, mom and dad, but that's kind of what happened. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd go to school and, and I would stay up till three in the morning practicing. And annoying my parents probably, definitely annoying them. I know for sure. Uh, there were times when they would yell down the stairs like, "Hey, could you stop playing?" <laughs> it's like three in the morning. It's like I got to get up for school in five hours. <laughs> oh um, my gosh! Yeah, that's and, awesome. Yeah, there's a sneaky amount of hours in there. And then, so this was it. Then you knew. I mean, you went to Berkeley, so you've known then at that point that music is what you want to pursue. Yeah, and actually, funny story. After my senior year of high school, I didn't quite think I was good enough to, you know, get into Berkeley or or make it as a musician. I didn't know how to. I didn't really have any any direction on how to do that. Um, and I actually wasn't the one to apply to Berkeley. Uh, what? I luckily had, yeah, I luckily had some very supportive friends who, and a very supportive uh, mother who uh, my friends talked to my mom who's like, hey, Jake Jake says he doesn't want to apply because he, he won't get in, but I think he will, and I think he should apply. And my mom's like, okay. So my mom filled out the application, and like a week before the auditions, because you have to audition for the school, uh, she comes in and, and you know throws down this audition day, being like, next week you have an audition for Berkeley. And I'm like, uh, what? Because <laughs> at this point, you know, I'm, I'm just... I've learned by ear and that's it. I don't know how to read music. I know this audition was like, you have to read music for this and you have to do like, you know, clap back rhythms and do all this type of thing. And I'm like, I'm not ready for that in a week. <laughs> wow. Holy cow, actually, man. So how did you, yeah, you prepare for it? Yeah, honestly, I just prepared, I prepared Attaboy uh, from the Goat Rodeo Sessions. That was my prepared piece. and the rest of it was just going to be what it was going to be. And I remember getting to the audition place and, and I was, I was really nervous, of course, as probably every kid there was. And, uh, I remember they took me down to the room. You get like 15 minutes to warm up in this room and they give you the sight reading examples. So you can like kind of look at them beforehand. And I remember looking at them and I didn't know how to read music. And I'm like, this is, this is it. Like that's, it's just not going to happen. Cause I can't, I can't do that. And I did my audition and they asked us like, all right, can you do, can you do these, uh, sight reading tests? And I, I just looked at them like, I, I don't know how to read music. Um, I'm sorry. And that was kind of the end of the audition. And so went home kind of bummed, uh, wasn't expecting much. And then a few months later, uh, got in the mail that not only did I get into Berkeley, uh, but they were giving me a scholarship to attend. And I was just like, get out of here. Wow, man. Yeah. So super fortunate. What other, uh, did you play some other tunes besides Attaboy? Uh, let's see. Played Attaboy, and then I think the rest of it was 
kind of in uh, improv with the piano player. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, they just kind of started playing chords, and I was like, I guess I have to figure this out. I think it was in D flat too, which was just ugly. On it was just <laughs> ugly, ugly. Oh no! Especially at that, especially at that point where I'm like, kind of just been playing for a couple of years and like playing in the bluegrass keys. I'm like, oh god. Yeah. Well, I got what's this closed position stuff you guys are doing here? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, I'm not ready for this. And there, there are some rhythm clapbacks. So they 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 clap a rhythm back to you or stop. I can't exactly remember, but you'd have to basically call and response. Did you go to a big school? Was it a big culture shock to go from Akron to Boston? Um, not really. I went to a pretty small school. I think there were nine hundred students total. Oh wow. Um, yeah, but I I was luckily lucky enough to be a kind of a, a traveler uh, when I was a kid. You know, my parents took me to see a lot of different things oh nice uh which yeah which which honestly made this made the move a lot easier uh definitely moving to a city was a change like there are things that i just wasn't used to but you kind of you kind of adapt quick as a kid so were you playing a lot of live music before you went to berkeley yeah that so that 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 bluegrass band that my uh that my uncle asked me to be in. We actually played, we played pretty much in the Northeast Ohio region, but we played, we played quite a bit. And that was kind of my first introduction to playing out live and, you know, being somewhat of an entertainer, though really uh, unseasoned and, and, and young and trying to figure out just how to play the mandolin, let alone, you know, entertain people. <laughs> right. What kind of stuff are y'all doing? Oh, we were, we rewrote our own tunes. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. And they weren't, they weren't. Maybe I can send you a CD. That'd be. Uh, awesome. so I would get, love to hear it, man. Cool. Yeah, yeah I'll, for sure. I'll, I'll do that when I get home. Uh, but yeah, it was. It's just a bunch of original stuff. You know, the guitar player wasn't really. He was a bluegrass-ish player. Uh, he was just a, a rhythm player, and then the bass player played in rock bands all his life, and so he was just kind of transitioning over. This was his first time playing upright. And so he's figuring out how to play the upright. My uncle's figuring out how to play the banjo. And really, it's just, you know, we were writing songs to try to figure out this traditional style. You can tell you're in New York City. <laughs> I can hear. Yeah, you like, you like those horns? I love it, man. <laughs> <laughs> the window's open. It's a nice day. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah, it's, yeah it's beautiful here today, too. So you go to Berkeley. What's the um, what's some of the stuff at Berkeley that you really um, that really you dug into as far as like you didn't re maybe even realize that that was something that you could study or work on uh yes is that the appropriate answer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, just about everything uh i think i had joe k walsh my first uh who, who did a podcast already i don't remember what number it was but he great. did one of the early ones he's coming back on uh in a oh, two yes. weeks yeah i got that new album it's so good yeah it's amazing and uh yeah joe was my first actually first music teacher ever the first lesson i ever had was the first time i walked into joe's lesson get out of here wow which is a bizarre experience going to school with people who have been playing music all their life and you know have teachers and are just so you know fluent in this language uh and i didn't know what to like what do you do in a lesson i had no clue i just i was totally clueless but you know having joe was a, a great experience because as a lot of mandolin players know he's he's such a chill guy and, and honestly one of my favorite musicians not only mandolin players but he plays guitar really well and just about everything yeah i bet <laughs> he seems yeah, like he seems like that type of guy <laughs> he just gets it he's one of those guys that just gets it um and then from there you know i studied with uh mave gilchrist who's an incredible harpist uh studied with sandy cott who is a classical violinist uh David Wallace, uh, Texas style fiddling, Matt Glazer, jazz violin player, and just overall funny, fantastic human being. Uh, and just all these, there's, there's other teachers in there, but just all these teachers who kind of opened my doors to all of these new things that I loved and I've heard before, but I didn't quite know how to play them or how to approach them. What's some of the, um, what's one of the things maybe you can share about how to approach something that somebody might be like, you know, I'd love to try and do, you know, this like harpist, I guess would be a good example of like, you know, that's, that's pretty far apart <laughs> between the mandolin. So how, you know, what was something that, you, you know, you learned from that experience that you related over to the mandolin? I think, especially for that one is 
as mandolin players, we're not going to be able to play like harpists. I mean, there's certain things like cross-picking things we can do to play open strings that can give this kind of more open sound. But there's only so much we can do compared to a harpist who can, you know, do this beautiful sweep of their arm and have, <laughs> you know, however, however many notes. Um, but the one thing I learned is is to look at the styles that these harpists play and kind of try to relate your instrument to that. So, like, you know, Scottish, Irish, Irish music, uh, there's a huge uh, correlation there with mandolin and harp. And you might not be able to play like a harp player, but you can try to figure out, you know, tunes and stuff that harpists wrote. Um, and you, you will learn so much more about the instrument and the style uh, if you approach it with that mindset of, you know, these, these things are similar. It's music. It's a language. So if you can figure out this language, it, it kind of all fits together. Is there a tune that you can think of from the uh, the harp canon that maybe a mandolin player that's listening might be familiar with that they could maybe find online, purchase it, or Spotify it and be like, ah, oh, I'll try and work out this tune. Maeve does have some CDs out, and honestly, I, I've you know. Yeah, I'll put one of her tunes in here. You should, because she's incredible. I think I think the Harp Weaver is the new album that came out last year. up at Berkeley and did you already have a plan as you were finishing up or was it like okay now what yeah I, I was luckily lucky lucky enough to have this this somewhat plan I guess as, as much planning as you can have coming out of college <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was in a group called the Patriots. started in 2016 as a as this duo group uh playing you know american roots music which is kind of this broad uh definition but it really was broad music it was singer songwriter and bluegrass and old time and irate it was just a bunch of stuff that we kind of threw together um and the one thing that we did was win the fresh grass duo award in 2016 so it was kind of a competition uh during the week of fresh grass where we would play uh, we played two tunes and then, you know, I think there were maybe six other duo artists that did the same thing and we were lucky enough to win that. And that kind of springboarded, you know, that gave us a little bit of money in our pockets and a little bit more confidence <laughs> and, uh, yeah, allowed us to go on tour right after I got, a, right after I got out of college, uh, at the end of May in 2017, as soon, as soon as I graduated that next day, we drove to Ohio. I just bought a Sprinter van. And we outfit it with, you know, a bed in the back and these locking doors and everything. And we were on the road immediately. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, we actually drove across country. We drove uh, from Akron to uh, Stockton, California in three days. Wow, I think I remember seeing that. I mean, via being Facebook friends, as it is, you know, people's stuff comes up. And I'm pretty sure I remember seeing that you had gone out like to the West Coast and we're doing some. And it, was, it was a duo, right? Like you said. Uh, yes, we actually did hire uh, a bass player called Max Swartz, who is, uh, he's at Miami university studying jazz right now, but, uh, yeah, he's a great bass player, but yeah, it was, it was just the three of us and just in this van, just driving around trying to figure out, you know, this was kind of one of our first tours and we're really new to this and just figuring out all those little nuances on tour that <laughs> no one tells you about. There's no one talks about. <laughs> what's a, what's a good one. What's one of the things that you were like, Oh, I, I love to hear this. Cause you, I, I still, to this day find things where I'm like, Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think like noise in the van. I think that's the first lesson you got to learn is like silence 
as awkward as it may seem to some people who don't tour, silence is pretty pretty key in a tour band. Uh, or at least like you know you can have headphones on, and but as long as you're not like bothering other people, right? Uh, like not running um, minor pentatonic scales and and yeah, you, de- you definitely <laughs> don't practice hours. in the van. Don't practice in the van. Yeah, right. <laughs> I can promise you that will not go well. Like it'll, first day will be okay, second day might be okay, third day everyone's gonna be like, dude, can you just stop playing that one song? You're gonna play over and over again. <laughs> so that's one thing. If you go on tour, make sure you don't practice in the van, and make sure there's some quiet time too. How long did you do that for? Was that was that what you were doing up until like pandemic era? Uh, not quite. I think that was up until 2018. Uh, from Boston, we moved down to Austin, Texas for a year. Um, after that, I moved to Nashville for two weeks. I was there for two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. Uh, didn't last. Yeah, it didn't last long. Um, and it wasn't anything, anything against Nashville. Uh, I love Nashville and the people in it, but. Uh, I think I just wanted to be home and try to, I was kind of lost musically uh, after moving to Nashville and, and moving back home. And I didn't quite have a direction with what I was doing. And so I actually, I ended up moving to LA uh, six months before the pandemic started or oh, maybe, no maybe nine months. Yeah. I moved to LA uh, and my best friend from college had a place out there and he was like, yeah, man, just come out and just hang out. Uh, you know, he had a one bedroom apartment and, and we're really good friends. So, we, we never fought or anything, but it's just funny to see two grown men in a one bedroom apartment, you know, trying to, <laughs> trying to make, <laughs> yeah. he, he does a bunch of work on, he does work on like, uh, TV shows and like the sound for those. And, and so we're trying to find the schedule of where I can practice and when he can do his work and, you know, just hang out time and alone time. And, and it was, it was really fun. Uh, not gonna lie. We had a, we had a blast. Oh man, but, I bet dude. Yeah. And so I was there for six months. I had, I didn't, I played one gig when I was out there, um, but I just didn't have any direction. I wasn't sure what to do with my, my musical career. And I actually considered like, you know, finding another career outside of music for a split moment there. I was like, I just don't feel confident in my playing. I don't feel confident in what I'm doing. I have no outlet for my creativity and boom in uh, December of 2019, I get this call and that is actually my birthday weekend, uh, through the grapevine somehow. Uh, the Hen House Prowlers, uh, Ben Wright and John Goldfine, uh, they found out about me and, you know, they needed a new mandolin player. And so they gave me a call my birthday weekend and we talked about it and they're like, yeah, we have this, you know, string of weekends coming up. Maybe you can do a weekend just to see how it goes. And I was, I was really maybe too gung ho about it. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, what? Like, I know you have other gigs coming up. Like, why don't we just do like a whole month? And, and they were, they were at first they're like, I don't know. Cause they don't know me. They, they met me over the phone for five minutes and talked to me and I'm, I'm here like, Oh, I can do this whole month. I'm totally free. And, I'm wide open. <laughs> yeah. I'm wide open. Why, why just hire me? And, uh, Meanwhile, they're like, Oh, I mean, I'm sure he's great, but <laughs> yeah, figure this kid out. How, yeah. Maybe he practices in the van. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and it ended up where I, I, I don't know if I talked, talked them into it or how it worked out, but, they're, they agreed to having me on for about a month and a half. So from mid-January to uh, the start of pandemic, which I guess was beginning of March 2020, uh, we went on tour together. And, you know, I felt as soon as after the first couple shows, I felt like I knew these guys for years. You know, we were just getting along. Uh, they do a, they have a nonprofit arm called Bluegrass Ambassadors, which plug right here. Uh, it's, it's a really great nonprofit that teaches, uh, music education, uh, through cultural exchange. And, uh, so I was really familiar with teaching through a couple of different programs and, uh, I was comfortable teaching. I love teaching and it just kind of worked out. It was just this really bizarre fit. It just, it was like all these pieces fell into place and I felt like I had a purpose. Wow. That's amazing. And you guys have a new single out. We do. Yeah. It came out it came out March twenty sixth. Uh it's called Short Branch Saloon. It's on all the streaming services. If you look up Hen House Prowlers, uh I'm sure you can play a beautiful clip from that right now.
also uh, tag it and people can find it if they go to mandolinsandbeer.com. I'll put your stuff up there. I saw some pictures of a new website that you had today. I don't know if that'll be the actual website. It will be. I actually, I should give you the link. Uh, I actually just made a website last night. Cause oh, like, yeah, well, man. Shoot probably, the, shoot the link to me. It. Yeah, please do. I'll do that right now. I'm like, he should probably have it. Yeah. I should probably have a website up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good call. Thanks, thanks for kicking my butt in the gear and getting a website out there. <laughs> I don't think it's live yet, but it should be live in the next couple of days. So. Oh, awesome, man. And then the new album comes out in May. Yeah, May 21st. Yep. And it's... It's, I'm excited for it. You know, usually studio time is, is this really intense time. And we actually recorded this during the pandemic. So we actually had, this is a group that tours, you know, 200 plus shows a year, which is crazy. And they usually, when they're doing albums, it's like, all right, pick three days and we'll go in the studio and bust one out. And, uh, this album, we had, I think 10 days together, uh, at this Airbnb slash and in, in the studio in Bloomington, Indiana, where we, you know, We'd go to the studio for the day, come back and, and hang out and just chill and get to know each other. And, you know, it was this beautiful writing process that usually doesn't get to happen with this band. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah. So the the, product, the final product came out great and I'm just excited to get it out there. Oh, man, that's exciting. I can't wait to hear the whole thing, man. And then you um, you were also you're in New York City because you're doing a live stream with another band. Yeah. And this is another one of those things where it's just kind of the clouds parted and this, I was asked to join this and I was just like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, this is a dream. Um, so this band is Westbound Situation and these folks are some of the best uh, musicians that I've ever played with and they're, they're all under the age of 27. of the group uh it's just they blow my mind it's uh zach brown on cello uh grant flick on violin and jacob warren on bass and actually the way that i met these folks was through this program in in 2015 called acoustic music seminar and actually some of your your previous uh episodes have featured some some people who attended this camp such as ethan satiwan and david benedict oh nice yeah, I'm sure there's, there's others that I'm forgetting, but where's that? One, where's that one take place at? Savannah Music oh, Festival. Oh yeah, yeah, the Savannah, Georgia one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's it's a program that you know the alumni list is insane. We're talking like Paul Cohort and Brittany Haas, Alex Hargraves, Molly Tuttle. You know, people who are just blowing up and, and having really great careers. And so this is where I met all these folks, and that was kind of you know we took that idea of this kind of week-long music camp with with all these kids and and kind of turn it into a band situation where you know we're we're playing these complex arrangements and and you know writing tunes that are just bizarrely different from bluegrass they're just they're just way different they're great they're great man i I saw um i do i saw some live (laughs) clips i'm like wow (laughs) this is so cool and yeah complex you know but like complex but listenable it's fascinating and it's fascinating that you know we're able to get all these sounds i'm i'm just really honestly trying to hang on these these (laughs) these guys are so good and they're so talented I, i brought them a song Last week, we were all in New York, as, as you said, doing this live stream, uh, but we were able to rehearse and we try to like write a new tune every time we get together. And so I brought in this tune that you know had two parts, possibly a third part, and I uh, showed them it. It was kind of a more simple song, and we, they learned it and arranged it within an hour, the whole thing. And it was like a complex arrangement, and then I was just like, how... It's, 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 of course, a collaboration, but, like, everyone's ideas come together into this, you know, beautiful beautiful song and arrangement. And I'm just like, how does that happen so quick? And, you know, it comes back to this a, uh, AMS program, Acoustic Music Seminar, where we kind of learn how to do this. And actually, that was under the, the tutelage of, of Mike Marshall, who's kind of the director of that, of that program. 
Yeah, Mike's the best, man. He he truly is the best. And now you're not on that CD that um, Westbound Situation has out, but are you guys currently working on one? We're working on a new CD right now. We're, we're writing the material for it. 2019 is when Pilot came out. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was going to say, they have. I remember seeing that you were playing with them, and so I remember looking up to see if you had a recording with them or not yet, but you had not, obviously. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing that, too. Chamber Grass is how they're listed when you uh, when you pull them up via uh, yes, their the, website, which is cool. The Great Chamber Grass. The all-encompassing <laughs> Chamber Grass. <That's> right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at some point, like we, I don't know how I feel about Chamber Grass, but at, at, you know, what else do you call it? I, we don't know. No, um, exactly. And they are they um are they still based out of Ann Arbor? Uh, ish. Ish, I yeah. guess is the right. Yeah, ish. Uh, so Zach Brown, the cello player, recently moved to New York City, which is the reason why, you know, we he visited he visited us in Ohio area last few times. So we kind of were like, well, we'll come to you this time. <laughs> um, let's see. We're all kind of in the Ohio, Indiana, Michigan region. Ann Arbor's not necessarily the re- reason Ann Arbor was was the the big place to be for them was they all attended or at least grant and jacob attended the university of michigan uh for music so you know that was kind of just where they were and and now it's kind of you know we're all over the place (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah well the cool thing i guess that we've learned out of all this pandemic stuff is how um how easy it is now in hindsight to uh work separately to make something together <laughs> you know i mean it's just like everybody's had to learn to be digital and and some somewhat tech savvy to be like okay well i guess i want to keep working so let's find some ways to do that <laughs> yeah it's not amazing i mean there's i for example you know of musicians learning things to to stay afloat i i started learning how to you know kind of produce and edit videos uh, so I got a camera and got all this equipment and, you know, really green at first and didn't know what, what I was doing. I had no clue. Uh, but over the past, you know, four to five months, I've just been like slowly chipping away at learning, learning about it and actually, you know, putting out some products that I've been pretty proud of. And so it's just like that example of, you know, being able to learn a new skill and, you know, apply it during these pandemic times. It's really become a game changer. That's cool, man. Well, speaking of uh, speaking of some cool things, let's let's talk a little bit about your instruments because you did that video just recently, where you did some uh, some mandolin tasting. I do have to ask, what was that first mandolin that you got when you uh, when you asked your mom, who was still kind of looped out from from post surgery? <laughs> what, what was that mandolin? It was a it was a Kentucky A style. I think it was the the one fifty. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it served me well for for a couple of years. And it's I still have it. It's, it's actually every time I pick it up, I'm like, this thing sounds great for for what it is. So any beginners looking for a good mandolin, I can't I can't highly recommend that one enough. It's great. And then, so what was the next one that you that the the next mandolin that you jumped to from that one? Let's see. I went to a Morgan Monroe F style. Uh, still didn't know much about mandolin, so it wasn't uh, it was not the best mandolin. Uh, I will say, uh, but you know, it had, had a pickup on it. So that got me going <laughs> playing gigs and stuff, which is good. And then from there, uh, I think one of the most life-changing instruments happened next was my, uh, first Gerald Anderson instrument. And Gerald Anderson was a builder in the Virginia area who, uh, you know, we, we had this, my, even my family, we had this really good relationship with him and he was a really close friend. And, uh, we met him in 2012. I got this Gerald Anderson mandolin from an elderly uh, up in Michigan, and it had a bunch of cracks, and it was kind of in rough shape. And being kind of new to the mandolin, I didn't know quite know if it was going to uh, last or you know if it was going to hold up. And so we got in touch with with Gerald, and you know kind of asked some questions about it. And we didn't know him, and he's like, "Yeah, why don't you why don't you come down the shop when you get a chance?" And you know the shop's six hours away from Akron, Ohio. <laughs> and so we're like, you know what? I think we will. It's, you know, it's been a fun journey so far. And so we go down there and Gerald is honestly one of the best human beings you could ever meet. And, uh, wow. Yeah. And so we ordered another F style mandolin from him. So I have two of them. Oh, cool. And yeah. And you know, he, he sadly passed away, uh, a few years ago in 2019. Sorry to hear that. And so it, you know, it, it, it stinks, but you know, 
I'm just so thankful to have that friendship with him. And, and he actually, my dad and I took a guitar building class with him. Oh, he, neat. He taught, he, my dad's a guitar luthier and he taught my dad kind of how to, how to build guitars. Oh, wow. Cool, man. Yeah, I can, I can plug it. Howard Handcraft Guitars in Akron, Ohio. There's no website. We're working on it. <laughs> We're working on it. Yeah, that's uh, awesome, man. Oh, cool. So then um, what, what came first, the Gilchrist or the Nugget? Oh, man. And now we get to the, the <laughs> heavy hitters. Yeah. Uh, the Nugget came first, and there's, there's a really great story behind that one. Uh, so as some of you may know, Joe K. Walsh plays a Nugget, and he got his first A-style Nugget. I guess he doesn't have another one, but he got, he got his A-style Nugget in 2016. And I was still in college, so, you know. I would see Joe quite often, and you know, I, I was walking by his his room uh, one of the days, and he had two mandolins in there. He's like, "Hey, hey, Jake, you mind coming in here for a second? And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." I didn't I didn't quite know what he was talking about. I come in, and he has he has two nuggets sitting there. He's like, "I just I don't know which one to choose. Like, what what do you think? Which one do you like?" And so the the I think it was his is an Engelman spruce top that the one that he ended up choosing, and there's a red spruce one as well, and. The Engelman one, just right away, I was just like, you, you need to just pick this one and not look back. It's still one of my favorite mandolins. It's, it's such a good one. And uh, so he ended up picking that one. And the A-style that he didn't pick, uh, I ended up taking back to my apartment for a week and got in touch with Mike Chemnitzer, who's the builder. And, uh, you know, we were talking about it, and I ended up not buying it and kind of waiting because I wanted an F-style and didn't know how it would work out because I know Mike doesn't really accept orders or if he does, it's on a really limited basis. And, you know, through just that week of contact, you know, Mike always kept in touch and Joe gave me a, a, a really good uh, recommendation to Mike being like, hey, he's a great player and a great guy. And so Mike and I kind of established this friendship over that. And I ended up ordering an F later that year. Um, oh, wow. In 2016. So, I ended up getting that mandolin. It was finished in November of 2017. So I only had to wait a year for my nugget. Yeah, I, got, I was going to say, that's not too bad, man. No, I got, I was super fortunate um, to get that nugget. And for those of you, for those mandolin nerds who really want to know, uh, the, the top is red spruce. Um, I think it's from a tree that he cut down in the nineties. Wow. And yeah, so it's been, it's been sitting around for a little while. Um, Cause I wanted, I sort of wanted to go after after that lore lore tone, you know, that kind of you know pierces through when I needed to, and it does. It, this mandolin is incredible, uh, up and down the neck. I just I can't say enough good things about it. Um, and you know what? Just just having that connection with with Mike and being able to, you know, we we talk quite often, probably once a month at the least. Yeah, so just having that is is really nice and if he ever wants to be on the podcast let him know i'd love to talk to him man he... man I, I should that'd be fascinating i would love to hear that yeah that'd, that'd be, be a great, great man. podcast yeah i'll, I'll, sure. I'll talk to him I'll, yeah I'll please do says. yeah send him my send him my info i'd love that to happen yeah i try i try to go up, i haven't seen him in a year but I, I go up to his we call it nugget headquarters up there in michigan <laughs> and uh taste test whatever mandolins he has or just hang out and go go to the local eateries and and you know he, he's got so many stories i can't imagine and yeah, so 2017 of November is when I got that thing. It was, it was the, I remember it was the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Um, I will never forget that. That was the first time meeting Mike in person and it's just, it was great. Wow. And then the Gilcrest was a recent purchase and that has another whole story behind it. Uh, if you want me to dive into that. Uh, please do. <laughs> so uh, with the Henhouse Prowlers, I didn't want to drill into the nugget with a, with a uh, pickup. I wasn't like Julie Enpin and I wasn't quite into that idea too, too fond of that. Um, so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to look for an instrument that's, you know, in the, in the, you know, $5,000 range maybe, which is so high end. Um, it was still uh, something I wanted to play and, you know, yeah, I, I ended up, I bought, I'm ashamed to say this. I think I bought two or three separate F fives in the span of a month trying to figure out what mandolin I wanted to get. No kidding. Yeah. I can yeah, believe it, it was, dude. It was a mess. I got, were you buying them sight unseen too? Yeah. Yeah, that's tough, man. That's that's 
I mean, yeah, it's such an intimate purchase, I think, to be like, it's a, you're, it's a shot in the dark every time you're going to get something you haven't played yet. <laughs> yeah. And I was really, I was really eyeing, you know, one shop builders, like kind of these custom instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one that I still have, it is such a good instrument. Uh, it's called the Hogan. And it's actually in that video you were mentioning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with the Gill and, and Nugget. And it's just, for, I, it, it's, a, it's a really good instrument. Um, it's, you know, way less money than both of the Gill and Nug, and it just, it, it stands right there with them. And it's custom, it's all handmade. Yeah, I guess, I guess the Hogan kind of hit, hit the mark, but I just, this opportunity came up. Uh, there was this Gilchrist for sale, and I think it was the Bellingham, Washington area. I was just on, I do these, I'm sure a lot of manual players do this. You go on Craigslist, and you, there's a website where you can search all of Craigslist. Yeah. And I was just looking at looking for mandolins, just because you never know what kind of deal is out there. You just never know. And uh, this Gilchrist popped up, and I think the lady was asking a really, really good price for it for an F style, and it was in the same batch as uh, Joe Walsh's F style, who he got from Andrew Marlin. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, yeah, nice. That's a, another great instrument. And uh, I was like, oh, that'd be cool. So I messaged messaged her, and she ended up getting back to me. Uh, at some point being like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm going to sell anymore, which is kind of a bummer because it was a good price. And I was, you know, I was going to go out there and get it. And at the same time, the, the, the guy that I bought the Hogan from, uh, has a, has a collection and, and trying to thin it down. And he mentioned he had this Gilcrest that he was thinking about selling. And, uh, I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Like uh, there's this other Gilcrest. And this was before that lady said she didn't want to sell it. I'm like, there's this other Gilcrest out West that I'm like kind of looking at right now. And he asked me what I was going to pay for it. And he's like, yeah, it's a pretty good price. You know what? I, I would, I'd be uh, interested in selling you my Gilcrest at that price. Get out. Wow. And so this, the same night that that lady said, uh, that she wouldn't sell me that Gil, this guy 20 minutes later said he would sell his to me at that price. Wow. Uh, and <laughs> just the way it worked out, I wasn't in the market for something that high end in it, but when that came up, I'm just like, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to, you know, it's like I could either invest my money in the stock market or just this mandolin. And I think I'd be safe either way. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it, I don't think it's going to lose value. And if it does, oh, well, I'm not going to sell it. So <laughs> judging from past history of looking at, you know, when even the older gills come up on, you know, mandolin cafe or whatever, uh, they don't seem yeah. to be losing any sort of value. <laughs> no, I wasn't. So I wasn't worried about that. And, uh, I, I ended up getting this this instrument from him, and I cannot believe how good this instrument is too. Uh, it's it's fabulous. I can't wait for you to play it at some at some point. Heck yeah, man! What uh, um, what year is it? Yeah, so this is even even crazier. It's from 2017, the same year as my Nugget, and it's from the same month as my Nugget. So they were finished in November of 2017. Wow! So Holy I cow, have a Nugget. Man. Yeah, I have a Nugget and a Gill from the same batch. Uh, basically same month. Wow. That's so cool. It's fascinating. It's, I can't believe how it worked out and you know, they're both, they're so different, but they're so fun to play. So did you have a pickup installed into the Gilchrist? So yeah, the whole pickup situation, I ended up figuring out that you can buy uh, a thing called a tapestry jack. So you don't have to drill out your end pin. It's, it goes eighth, uh, eighth inch out to quarter inch, uh, which is great. So I, I think, I have that and a K and K. Perfect. Uh, that need to be installed, but I haven't had any gigs, so yeah, <laughs> that I need for yeah. Right, no rush. Uh, which will happen soon. Yeah, no, there's no rush. On that. <laughs> yeah, I still have a Mandola pickup that's been sitting here. I got a Mandola from Collings back in uh, April. Oh, how do you like it? Oh, I love it. Yeah, I they make, they make great stuff. Love it, man. And um, but again, I had like no gigs really. And uh, so I'm like, well, so the pickup's literally still sitting here in the box. <laughs> <You know that? laughs> Mine's still in the box, too. <laughs> well, what kind of uh, what kind of picks do you use? Yeah, great question. So the I, I'm a bit of a loose cannon with the picks. So there's there's the weekend TF 140s and then the uh, blue chip CT 55, two classics. And I whatever mandolin those happen to be with because I keep my mandolins in the strings of my instrument, I just never lose a pick that way. Yeah. I know they're always going to be there. Same so, here. Yeah, it's just a great place to put them, folks. If you, if, you, <laughs> if you keep losing picks, just put them between your strings. That's right. And just put it away with the mandolin. When you put the mandolin away, it will be with the it mandolin. Will, <laughs> it will always be with the mandolin. And so I 
you know, I switch back and forth between the two instruments. I think the blue chip sounds better with the nugget. I think uh, it, there's it's such a subtle difference that most people are going to be like, "You're crazy," but <laughs> as mandolin players, we're like, "This is our job, right, man? This is what we're supposed to do." Absolutely. So you, you talked a little bit. Now, there's not a date for this, but I thought this is a great way to segue into um, the 10 minute a day feature of the podcast where we talk a little bit about technique and how people can get better. But you've been working on um, a right hand technique kind of book. Is it? Can we say that? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. It's it's all about the right hand. Yeah, man. So um, obviously, we don't want to talk too much yet because it's not it's not finished. But if, if somebody had 10 minutes a day to work on right hand technique um what's something maybe that they might not know because the right hand comes up quite a bit on here um what's the technique that they they might not be using that you would recommend there's there's a lot of resources out there on youtube and whatnot for exercises and stuff and that's I, I think david benedict has a good one out on youtube um but i, th- I think one of the things to think about is that there are so many ways to approach the right hand and none of them are exactly like this is what you should be doing. Um, so I've, I've for, for people who, I guess no one's heard this because the book's not out, but this <laughs> right hand book isn't just me talking about the right hand. I have interviewed uh, probably close, almost probably 30 professional mandolin players. So, you know, anyone from Mike Marshall, Emery Lester, uh, Joe K. Walsh, Ethan Satiwan, like all of these just amazing mandolin players and there's still there's still more that i want to talk to i just need to get around to it i actually just recently got david grisman's contact information so we'll see if he's up yeah man uh because he you can't have a right hand technique book without without dog himself right (laughs) yeah no doubt (laughs) and so from from interviewing all these people and you know what i can actually do is is on on the website, I'll, I'll give you a portion of, of one of the interviews I have written out. Oh wow, uh, yeah, get, man! Just so everyone can read it, and just you know, I I love I love teaching and education, and I think you know, it's this is I don't want this to be a, like a, a product placement. I want people to actually learn something. So let's let's do that. I'll I'll I will donate an interview portion to <laughs> Manlands and Beer Podcast. Yeah, sweet. Thanks, man. Of course. Yeah. So then um, what is just something that you would recommend just straight up 10 minutes a day then? Um, maybe not even right hand or left hand, but something that that helps you. So one thing I've been doing is is slowing down. I mean, this has probably been said on the podcast before. Slowing down what you're doing and trying to emulate some of the players that you, you like. There's a reason you picked up the mandolin and there's a reason you listen to the specific mandolin music you listen to, right? So... Pick, pick those pick, pick those people and try to pick their brains like on watch as many YouTube videos as as you can maybe maybe do this maybe take a three minute YouTube video if you're gonna do 10 minutes take a three minute YouTube video watch that YouTube video um, if, of someone you like enjoy their playing and not learn the tune uh, but pick a specific 10 second part of either their solo or, you know, their backing and try to mimic the tone and the sound that they're, they're coming up with, you know, visually you can see it on screen. So look at it and try to, you know, make your hand and wrist and maybe go to the mirror and make everything look just like what they're doing. And this exercise necessarily isn't to make you, uh, just like them because everyone's body is different. Uh, but this is this is to help you see in the mirror this 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 picture that you're seeing on the screen because sometimes what our body thinks it's doing is not necessarily what uh, or what let me rephrase that what we think we're doing is not necessarily what we're actually doing <laughs> right <laughs> right uh, and I've you know the mirror is one of the best practices for that so so really just try to emulate what they're doing and, and maybe figure out why that technique either works for you or it doesn't for example. Um, there is, uh, I know a couple mandolin players like, let's see who I can pick here, like Sierra Hall. Great right hand technique, amazing <laughs> tone, and she's she's smaller than I am. I'm six three, and I have these arms that you know kind of drag the floor. I have really really long <laughs> arms, so her technique. <laughs> her technique's not going to work for me. I mean, I, I wish it would because she sounds amazing, but I have to, I've, I've watched a lot of YouTube videos of her and then I, I, I look in the mirror and try to do what she's doing and I'm like, that just doesn't work. 
but maybe I can change one position or one thing about what she's doing to make it fit my body, my body style. And so once you start figuring all this stuff out, it's just kind of chipping away at this, at the sculpture of what you what you want your right hand to look like, right? This beautiful sculpture you've been working on, practicing on, don't feel like you have to chip away too much at once. It takes years and years and everyone's still not done with their right hand journey ever. I don't think maybe some people, but <laughs> David Grisman seems like he's pretty set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I wouldn't change it. Uh, but you know, this, this, these little things that you can change that aren't big things that can make a huge difference. So, so that, that would be my suggestion. Try to imitate. And, and honestly, speed is one of those things that you get asked a lot as, as like a bluegrass mandolin player who plays professionally is like, how do you get that fast? And, and honestly, it's, it's starting slow. And then, and I guess another uh, thing you can do if you really want to get the speed up is, is there are points when you should be practicing and being somewhat uncomfortable. They shouldn't be long. I'm not saying do that for an hour, but maybe for, if you're doing 10 minutes, maybe the last minute can be at an uncomfortable tempo, just so it kind of gets you ready to, to get there. You know, you gotta, you gotta kind of see where you're approaching or where you're going. No, just practice that, that, that quick tempo for just a, a small portion of that practice. And, and you, and maybe you can bump it up next time a little bit. And you're familiar with it then, too. You kind of know what your target is, right? You know, and you might be surprised. You might even go a little bit faster and then be like, oh, wait a minute. You know, I could play it kind of at this. And then for me, that that big thing is like looking at, oh, maybe your hand shifts a little bit and there's something that's making it easier, you know, and then be like, well, how can I make this feel easier, slower with this same thing? You know, there's all those things. It's, that, it's the little it's the little things that make such a big difference. Yeah, that's why I love it. Imagine on a tiny instrument, the little things. Yeah, right? <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought the little things? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then the uh, the final question. Um, you're not a beer drinker. Your dad brews it, but you're not a beer drinker. So I've got, I've got my alternate question for that. And I, I'd like to ask, what if you were to pick up a mandolin now, what is the fiddle tune that you would play? Ooh. Ooh, that's a good one. I think the fiddle tune that I would play is a tune called Lucy's Reel, which is not a well-known fiddle tune because it just came out on someone's record. Oh, uh, whose record? Grant Flick's record. solo record it is unbelievably pretty i will uh, check it out i got i'm driving to florida in a couple days man i'm gonna need some new some music to listen to so uh, uh oh, I, i'm gonna get that album as soon as we get done it's amazing he plays nickel harpa on it and fiddle and uh it's honestly one of my favorite acoustic uh music cds that have come out in the past few years it's oh wow just, it's so good oh man that's a big endorsement no right there <laughs> it is it is. I'm throwing. I'm throwing my name out there, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jake, man, this has been a, this has been an absolute pleasure. You're as nice as I figured you would be from your videos online, man. You are. Uh, this is this is great. It's a, it's a pleasure to talk to you. You're an exciting player, and um, I just love all the different avenues that you kind of have laid out in front of you right now, which makes it even more exciting to watch to see what you're gonna, you know, get yourself into here in these next few years. So, I, I I'm happy to follow along. Well, it's, it's been an absolute honor and a blast to be on this podcast. You know, it's, I'm sure as everyone has been listening to the previous ones, it's, it's, it's a invaluable resource to this community and, you know, this community as small or large as it may seem, you know, having this is, it's mind boggling because I can listen to my heroes talk and (laughs) it's always great. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. That's really nice to hear that. It makes a, you know. It's uh, it just makes it even more worth it. I love it. Like I told you before we started, I'd, I'd have done it if it was just a hundred people a week listening because I love it so much, you know. And uh, you know, I'm just happy. I'm grateful to have as many people listen who do each week, and and even more grateful to have awesome people like you and all the players who have been on here who take the time to do it. So thank you. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks again to Jake. Here is Grant Flick's tune, Lucy's Polska. You can find links to everything we talked about at mandolinsandbeer.com. Have a great week. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.